0: We've been going through the story of Joseph. Uh, that's through Genesis. Today we're going to be covering Genesis 39, uh, 19 through 40, 1 through 23. That, that we've got a lot to cover here today. Uh, as we left Joseph, he had been, uh, a little bit of a recap, his, his brothers uh, did not like him because he was basically different than they were. Uh, They liked to kind of horse around and do things, and they were not really trustworthy or anything like that. He was kind of mature beyond his days, and he was a a person of great compassion, and uh, they saw that as a threat, and so they um, continued to bully him and to to talk uh, uh, poorly about him, and that festered and that grew and that hatred grew so much that it actually made sense to them uh, you know, when we let something fester and we let something grow, especially hatred, uh, we can start to rationalize it so much to where uh, we can almost justify it in our in our in our minds. And to them, the justification was to actually sell their brother. They wanted to kill him, uh, but they actually sold him as a slave, and he was taken to Egypt. Uh, where he served the, one of the guards of the pharaohs, one of the high-ranking people uh, just under the pharaoh. And he was a person that was in charge of the house, uh, and he worked as a, as a slave, as a servant. He didn't have the rights. He couldn't leave if he wanted to, uh, but he was treated better than some. Um, and then he was uh, falsely accused uh, of um, sexual assault, and he was thrown into prison. And, and now we, we find him in prison, and the, it says in Genesis 39, 21, uh, Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. He gave him favor in the sight of the jailer, the chief jailer. Now, a lot of, sometimes the, I want to talk just a little bit here about uh, what is known as prosperity gospel. Uh, there are churches that, that grow very big and there are pastors that write a lot of best-selling stories and articles and books about how if you believe and if you follow uh, God and Christ with all your heart that things will be good in your life, that uh, if you Give faith to God, God is going to reward you here on earth with a bunch of stuff. Uh, And a bunch of stuff, when they talk about it in these books and all of this kind of stuff, they talk about finances. Uh, almost uh, almost every time, if you tune into these things or anything like that, they talk about finances or they talk about uh, self-esteem and things like that, power, uh, moving up the corporate ladder, uh, getting new property, getting a new job, getting a good parking space. There's actually one that I did talk about if you pray hard enough, you'll actually get a good parking space. Uh, my argument with that one is: is what about the person that actually needs that parking space Uh, If you're praying to to get in the front of the line, what about the people that need to be in the front of the line before you? Um, Self-centeredness is what prosperity gospel really teaches at the base, and the core of it is self-centeredness. It teaches that if we throw our faith into God, it's an investment, and that will come back to us, and we will be able to live comfortably here on earth. And sometimes they use the story of Joseph, a person that has been uh, thrown into slavery and stuff, but then they they grab lines like this where it says, um, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. He was treated better, but he was still in prison. There are times when we as Christians, just like every person on the planet, will be challenged, will be uncomfortable, and at times we will go through tragedies. And we will go through things that do not seem like we're going to make it through. That still means that God is with us. That is what prosperity gospel doesn't want you to hear. If the people that are on the TV in these mega churches and doing all of this kind of stuff and teaching about how it's right to, um, uh, to, to uh, put your faith in God as an investment because you're going to get that house that you wanted and if you don't get that house or if you actually get that disease, they tell you that you did not have enough faith. That is harmful. That is harmful and it is not, it is not biblical. That's not why we believe in Christ. That's not why we became Christians. We do not become Christians so that we get something in return of finances or material goods. We give our faith to God. Because God is God. And the magic thing is, is yes, we're going to find that we do get something in return. But it's not in the form of a, of a boat or a house, a job, a power over one another person. It's, it's not the parking space. It's not the temperamental things. It's not the, the things like this. We, we, we don't do that. One time I was looking for a house, and somebody told me that if they had heard from one of these preachers, I'm censoring myself here, one of these preachers, that if you say, God make it so, and walk around the house, I think it was five times, you're going to get that house. You're going to get everything that you wanted. And if it's a house, if it's a car, if it's a boat, if it's a job, all you got to do is walk around and say God is this and stuff and God do this and things like that and order God around and tell God what you want and all of this kind of stuff and boom, the things that you want here on earth, that's going to be yours. God's not a game. It's not a superstition. It's not a genie in a bottle. God is, is not someone that we can just uh, say the right words, summon the right thing, and get everything that we want. But we do get something bigger than that. We do get something much more than the things that we think that we want. Sometimes we're not comfortable, and Joseph was not comfortable. Joseph was far from comfortable. Joseph, every day that he was serving in the the master's house, and every day that he was serving in the prison, he was grieving. He was missing his family. He was missing his father. He didn't know if his father was even still alive or whether he was dead. He had been ripped from his home and sold as a slave. We can talk about, you know, the prosperity gospel of him, but he was close with God, so God gave him, you know, uh, the first to get a sandwich in prison. He was still in prison, and he longed to be with his family. He longed to be where he was at before life took that turn and changed everything. But the amazing thing was, is even as Joseph was suffering, his faith didn't alter. He still believed in God. How can we achieve that kind of spiritual maturity and it is maturity. We we first become Christians and we t- and we kind of uh, experiment with it and all that kind of stuff. And we're kind of in an infant stage. But we grow in our Christianity. We, we grow into a maturity. There's an adolescent part and then there's an, a, an elder part. And sometimes we fluctuate and we dance around and we go back and forth. But there is something about spiritual maturity that even during times that we are suffering or going through bad times, that we still have faith. In God, and we still know, even in the uncomfortable, scary times, we still know in our hearts that God is with us. How do we achieve that? How do we get to that point in our lives where we still see Christ every day, even when the day doesn't seem like a good one? How do we do that? What do you do when bad things happen to you? Where's your faith in that? As we continue with the story of Joseph, it says sometime after this, Joseph had been in prison for some time. And as we know, when the Bible says sometime, that usually means a long time. That usually means that he's been there for a while now. It says, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt, the pharaoh, and his baker offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Cupbearer and the uh, baker were, uh, they were positions, again, high positions within the pharaoh's home. Uh, the cupbearer, you could actually call, uh, was like a, a, a butler, a, a very, uh, not a servant, but a, a highly um, a treated well uh, butler, and the baker was like the chef, okay? These were, these were jobs. The pharaoh was angry with his two officers, and he put them in custody in the prison where Joseph was confined. So these guys somehow had everything that they wanted, they had the dream job, and suddenly they did something, the Bible does not make that clear, they did something that upset the pharaoh and they were put into prison. Now, if everything that they did in their life was identified by the position that they had, all had been lost. If the faith that they had was only in the material goods and in the Pharaoh himself, suddenly everything was gone. The faith that they had, the fragile faith that they had into the stuff, into the power, into the materialness, gone. And they had trouble making it in this prison. They had sleepless nights. They, they had their only defining grace was to get back into the Pharaoh's good side. And to get their power once again. And at times they had dreams. Now we've talked about this before when we talked about the early part of Joseph. About how dreams were challenges and, and people would interpret dreams. And they would talk about dreams. And many people would feel that dreams was, uh, were, were prophetic, were a... a um, uh, well, sometimes they're, they're exactly that now, when you have a dream and there's something that you dream and you wake up and you think, this is something I obviously need to address in my life, this is something I obviously am, am, am having trouble with, or this is something that I need to talk about. They they felt that way too. And sometimes they, they would uh, interpret dreams as a prophecy of what was going to happen to them. And they had these dreams and they heard that this Joseph was somebody that was developing a skill of being able to interpret dreams. And when asked about it, Joseph would always say that dreams belong to God. Even in his position of being uncomfortable, even in his position of being in grief, he was still walking enough with God that when somebody asked him about anything that he could do, he still gave credit to God for that. His faith didn't waver. His faith didn't waver. Isn't that amazing? We continue with Joseph 49 through 11. It says, So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph. And he said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms came out and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is its interpretation. The three three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head And restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. In three days, the cupbearer, the butler, was going to be brought back to his position, and everything was going to be fine. The way that he defined success in his life, the things that he had faith in, they were going to be fine for now. He was going to be his position. The one thing that we we don't know is after he had his position, would he remain happy or would he remain gun-shy that anything that he did could upset the Pharaoh and put him right back into, into prison again? All we know in this story is that Joseph interpreted the dream that in three days he would be restored back to his job. Now, the baker, he loved this thought, but before that, let me, let me back up just a second. We want to point out something here. We talk about Joseph uh, having faith and, and, and with the prosperity gospel of, of him having everything that he wanted. Uh, if he had everything that he wanted, remember, he wouldn't be saying this. He said in Genesis 40 to the, to the cupbearer, remember me when it is well with you. In other words, when you get out of here in three, D, three days, please remember me. Please do me the kindness to make mention of me to the Pharaoh and so get me out of this place. We're reminded again that Joseph is not a happy person. Joseph is uh, in the eyes of God and all of this in favor with God and all this stuff, but Joseph is miserable. Joseph is in prison. Joseph has been ripped from his home. Joseph is not a happy person right now. Joseph still is fighting all of the feelings that we would be fighting the sadness the grief the anger but he still but he still has faith in God the cupbearer has taken this and is celebrating because he gets in 3 days he's got a little sense of freedom there but the baker he wants to know what happened to his dream. When the chief baker saw that, the interpretation was favorable. He said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head. and it's a weird place to put them. And in the uppermost basket, there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered this, and this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a pole, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. Yikes. One person gets everything that they wanted, the other person, yikes. Yikes. That's not the news you really want to hear, is it? Now, what happens to the faith that they have? If their faith is only on the things that they see, the things that they can touch, the power that they can grab, the material goods that they can get, what defines them? What are they feeling now? The cupbearer, everything is, is good. But the baker, yikes. Those are some sleepless nights he's going to have. And as we see on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday. Ah, happy birthday, Pharaoh. He restored the chief cupbearer into his cupbearing, but the chief baker he hanged, just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. If Joseph's faith was only in whether or not the cupbearer was going to send the message to Pharaoh that he was indeed a good person and that he should be out of there, then his faith would have been lost right there, just like the baker's. And as we said before, we don't know if the cupbearer, is his faith on fragile ground? If I was a cupbearer and just upset my boss, if I was a butler and just upset my boss, and suddenly was thrown into prison for a while, and suddenly I was free, I, I don't know if I would have the most secure feeling in my job. If my faith was only on the immediacy of the pharaoh, of my boss, and the power that I had, and the comfort that I had, if my faith was only on that, that's pretty fragile faith. That's very, very fragile faith to where it can rock and it can go away very quickly. That's, that's, that's a very, very fragile faith, very immature faith. But what is it about Joseph that gave him the maturity in his faith that even as the cupbearer forgot about him and left him in prison, he never lost his faith? How is it that we can be miserable in our life, unhappy, uncomfortable, going through hardship of unknown, and still have a very rock-solid faith in God and still feel that God is with us. That's a a hard faith. That's when we have to think beyond the immediacy. That's when we have to think beyond the here and now. That's, That's when we have to use our vision of what we are doing. Is our goal in life? to get is that is that what defines our faith if i believe then i get or is our goal in life much deeper than that is it more is it more you know it's it's a uh, it's valentine's day happy happy valentine's day honey that's my wife right over there I, I didn't get you a gift. Um, sorry, but happy Valentine's Day. There's, uh, there's a person called St. Valentine. And actually, uh, there's, uh, there's some things that are known about him and some things that aren't. Believe it or not, there, there has been arguments over time of whether or not St. Valentine was one person or actually two people. The message of St. Valentine was that he, that he, uh, he or they were um, religious people. They were Christians in the early days of Christianity. And what he would do is he would marry people who wanted to be married. But the way that he was doing it was illegal at the time. He didn't have the right to marry the people and so he would try to go around that and marry people. There was an argument of whether or not he was not allowed to marry because that was the job of like a, a someone higher up in the church there's also argument of historians say that he would marry people so that the men uh, would get out of being basically drafted into war. But whatever the case, the marriages that he was officiating were considered illegal. Now, it would be easy for him to say, you know, I just want to be comfortable in my life. I just want the things. I, I got a pretty good job right here. I, I got a long uh, beard. I'm able to wear this kind of stuff here, and there's this constant ring around my head. That's kind of fun. I could just sit back and just enjoy life like this, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to touch the things that could lead to uncomfortness or uncomfortableness or unsettlement in my life. But St. Valentine... Uh, he knew that people needed him. He knew that people were in love for one reason or another, that uh, it might get them out of war, or it might, uh, they had to come to him for another reason or anything like that. He knew that what he was doing was an act of love. And for that moment, it wasn't about him. And so they killed him. Imagine having that much faith having that much faith to where the actions that you do, because you know the right, because you know that it is God's will, you know that it is the right thing to do, could actually harm you or make you uncomfortable. But he knew that it was God's will. He knew that uh, when we say God's will, he just knew that it was the right thing to do. I don't believe that, that God is, is uh, a puppet master. I do believe that God is encouraging us to spread love to spread the message of love, to spread the message of Christ. And that's what he was doing. That's what St. Valentine was doing. When he was marrying people, he wasn't waiting for the, uh, the authorities to give power or to rip these couples apart, send one to war. He was marrying them because they loved each other. We still argue about that today in some cases, don't we? Different names, different stories, different situations, but we, we still have uh, people that uh, officiate weddings because it's the right thing to do. Because it's the right thing to do, because they're, what they're promoting is love. And those people oftentimes are forced to think whether it's going to be lead them to a, a, a time of uncomfortableness, a time of uh, unsettlement, a time of criticism. But there's something about their faith. There's something about their faith that tells them this is the right thing to do. It's not about me. It's it's about love. It's about love. And that's hard to do sometimes in our lives. It's hard to judge sometimes in our lives. Imagine if we... Uh, had the faith that Joseph had, where he is in prison, he is uncomfortable. He's been falsely accused. He's been forgotten, and yet he still feels the presence of God in his life. He still does help people. He could have he could have told the cupbearer and the uh, uh, the baker to to just go away. But he was still helping people in his circumstance. He was still helping people. He was still helping people by offering care and truth. Uh, St. Valentine, whether it was one person or two people, were were still doing that knowing that the outcome could injure them. They knew that God was with them. And they continued to do things whether it made them uncomfortable or not because it was the right thing to do. There was a spiritual maturity about this. Oftentimes we look at our lives as, as the here and now. We 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 look at our lives. What if we looked at our lives as we did a train track, where where each one of these, what do we call them? What are these lines here? The the boards, the wood, the the railroad ties. Yes, thank you, Will. You masterful man. The the railroad ties if every one of those railroad ties was a moment or a day in our life. And when we look to the future, we cannot see how far it goes. We cannot see what is beyond the trees on the tracks that we are on. Now, I'm I'm talking about something that is far beyond... The, the job that you're going to get or the boat that you're gonna buy or the parking space that you're gonna achieve. I'm I'm talking about something that that is a lot longer than that. What I'm talking about is eternity. I was I was asked the other day whether or not I believed in heaven. I do. I really do. And I believe that our purpose here on life is far beyond anything that we can see here and now. I believe that the things that we do and the things that we uh, commit ourselves to, the things that we uh, invest in, both within our hearts and within our finance, the things that we put our energy into, the things that we give to this world, they have a lasting effect far beyond anything that we can comprehend. We are just one railroad tie right here. And we can't see the rest of the story. And there is the rest of the story. What we do in our lives, we, we, we just sit here in day-to-day taking one day at a time. We can look back at the things that we did in the past. We can make decisions of what we are doing today. And we can know that the things that we do today have a lasting effect on tomorrow. We can also know that the hurt that we feel today can lead to great healing tomorrow. Yesterday, I spoke to somebody. Uh, I'm taking, I continually do uh, continuing education, and the person that was uh, uh, teaching the class um, has been diagnosed with um, uh, uh, cancer and found out, unfortunately, that he's in the, the later stages. If he were thinking just about his life, the here and now, the comforts, he would have probably quit the class. He probably would have just uh, given it all up. He probably would have said, it's about my comforts, it's about me, it's about this, it's about that. Do you know what he said? He said, maybe my job as pastor now is to teach my congregation, my, my people, how to die well. I was fascinated by that. Here is somebody that has a lot of discomfort in this world that has had uh, something that has been terrible happen to them and they continually think about the things they leave behind, the things they do today, and the things that await them in the rest of their story. That's... That's how we achieve spiritual maturity. In our unhappiness now, in our challenges now, and the things that we don't like right now, what is God still telling us? Do we still feel the love of Christ in our lives? He did so much. He did so much that he was looking forward to heaven. And what he wanted to do, he wanted to spend the rest of his days telling people about it. He wanted to spend the rest of his days teaching people, being with people, ministering to people. He wants to continue to share the love of Christ with the world. He's here on the tracks. He's looked back at his past His future remains a little bit unknown. But one thing he does know is that today, Christ is still with him. God is still with him. And he did not get cancer because he lacks faith. God is with him. Christ is with him. And Christ is with you. What are you going to do today with the challenges you face? Would you pray with me? Gracious God, there is so much mystery in you. There is so much unknown. Let us live today as, it is, as if it is the first day of our life. And the last. Let us focus on the things that truly matter. Let us look around us and see what energy are we putting forth and where are we putting our energy to? What are we feeding? What are we relying on? Where is our faith? Let us grow our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Things in our life may seem uncertain at times. Some of us are facing some challenges that we have never faced before. Some of us are living through very scary times. I want to assure you, Christ is with you. Christ remains with you. And while it might seem dark today, there still will be sun in the dawn. Love God, love yourself, love your neighbor. Amen.